Hey One Hope, I want to personally invite you to join us as we serve the city of New Orleans for our citywide serve day. Together we're partnering with multiple churches and nonprofits to encourage and share hope with those in need. To find a place to serve, visit onehopenola.com, download the Serve app, select One Hope Church from the list of participating churches, and sign up for the project that interests you the most. Now, the opportunities range from serving the New Orleans mission, caring for foster children, feeding families in need, and so much more. I wanna say a big thank you in advance for making a difference and setting aside July 13th to serve the city of New Orleans. Now today, as I told you, I'm out for a little while, but I'm excited to introduce to you someone that's so dear to me. Many of you already know him and love him, but Pastor Steve Blair and his wife Renee are dear to us. They have loved us, cared for us, been there in the great times, in the low times, and today I'm excited for you. I want you to lean into his message. I want you to take lots of notes because I believe the word from God he has is truly going to change our lives. And so if you would, one hope, would you stand to your feet? Come on, put your hands together for Pastor Steve Blair. Come on, One Hope, let's give Jesus Christ a big hand, everybody. We love you, Lord. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Y'all love your pastor, Josh and Amber. They're just, yeah, they're fantastic. I've known them 15 years. That's just, that's, yeah, wow, that's right. It's crazy. And uh, we just love them so much. Uh, if we haven't had an opportunity to meet, if I hadn't got to meet you, my name's Steve Blair. My wife is up here on the front row, beautiful Renee. We've been married for 30 plus years. I married her when she was 12, as you do in Mississippi. And uh, so we have three beautiful kids, Caitlin, Kara, and Kyle. And just, I've got two, we got two grandsons, Liam and Mason. And those are God's blessings for you not killing your own kids. And uh, then my second daughter's having our third grandson here in about four or five weeks. And so just, we're so blessed and so honored to be here. It's good, to, it feels like home. Most people don't know that, um, we used to live in Hattiesburg, Mississippi for years, and so uh, Renee's parents are actually from New Orleans, her grandparents are from New Orleans, and then we go back to the country even from there, and her grandfather is still alive today, he's 101 years old, isn't that incredible? Uh, he was driving last year, you didn't know how dangerous it was around here, <laughs> but they finally got his keys, and so we went by to see him yesterday, and he's just... He's as, he's just, he's as mentally there as, as you, like he's more mentally there than I am and he's way older than I am. He lives at home by himself and he's a card player and got him a little girlfriend. I mean, he's just, grandpa's rocking it out. I mean, seriously, and she's 15 years younger than he is. I mean, come on grandpa. And so, uh, but her aunt and her uncle live here as well. And so we, we, this is kind of home for us and we've been over 30 years, we've been coming to New Orleans and I. I just love this spot. Um, they're actually Cajuns, you know what I'm saying? They came, they came from the country, and I just, I think the world would be better with more Cajuns. I know y'all are sophisticated, y'all are in New Orleans, but, you know, God bless them Cajuns. Listen, if it wasn't for Cajuns, if, if we would have had Cajuns earlier, there'd be no sin. So you want to know why? Because if Adam and Eve would have been Cajun, they would have ate that snake, and there would have been no problem at all, okay? I'm just saying, I'm just saying. We need more of them, but uh, it's an honor to be here today with you guys, and uh, it's an honor to, to stand in this place 
and I honor Josh and Amber, and uh, they're away on a vacation, an extended vacation, and I'm an overseer for this church, and it's an honor just to serve you, and the way I serve you and, and help protect you is that I serve Josh and Amber, and I'm just there for them, and we have honest conversations about honest situations, and, and we promise, I'm going to take care, help take care of him, and thus we're going to take care of you, and this extended time off is good for them, and it's going to be good for you, because he's been doing ministry for 21 plus years. And, and that's a long time to do it. There's a lot of stress on that. And, and I know there's a lot of stress in what you do as well. But if he's going to make it to the end, because I know they want to make this their home forever. And if one hope becomes the church that God has intended for one hope to be, then we need to make sure that he from time to time finds rest and creates margin. And so they're going to do that. And thank you for being faithful and attending church over these next couple weeks, being faithful in tithes and offerings and serving. We got serve day coming up. It's going to be an awesome opportunity to serve this city. So just thank you for being a great, great church. Let's dive into the message. I'm excited about this today because what I'm going to do for you, and it's interesting that from the beginning of the service, you'll see to the end of the service, there has been this theme that is laced in the service and there's been no discussion prior to it just happening here today. And so I think God's up to something. And today what I want to do is I'm not going to give you a title, but what I want to do is I want to help you find rest in your life. I want to help you find rest, but in order to do that, I'm going to have to confront something that most of us, probably all of us deal with, and that is that we struggle with worry. Okay, so I'm going to build a case about worry, and then I'm going to give you some, some, some grace here. But there's a sentence, I'm, I'm, they're going to put it on the screen, and that was, we were made to rest and to delight in God. Now, whether you're here today, longtime believer, maybe you're here today and, you know, this is your first church experience or maybe you're just kind of checking this place out, I want you to know that God's purpose for our lives is, is not to just rule over us or his purpose for our lives is not he's got some foreign country that he wants to send us to or he's going to take every good thing out of our lives so that he make us miserable and serve him. No, we were created ultimately to rest and fellowship with God and to delight in him. But the problem with that is, is that many of us struggle to get that experience. And if you've grown up in church, I grew up all my life in church, and man, my parents uh, ultimately divorced, but even when, when they were going through really hard times, we went to church. We were faithful to go to church. When they were sick, oftentimes they made me ride my bicycle to church. So I've been to some church. But the thing that I experienced in doing that is that I, I didn't encounter a lot of times that rest or that delight. And it's a shame because that's what God intended for us to do. And if you look through church history, if you look through theologians, the fathers of of the early church, even the shorter catechism talks about this, that we were made to delight and to rest in God. But here's the deal. The enemy is wanting to attack that because he's, what God's trying to do is get us back to the garden experience. Obviously, we can't go all the way back there because this world now has sin in it. Remember, if we'd have had two Cajuns, there wouldn't be sin. But that's another message for another day. But what the enemy tries to do is he's not, he's not necessarily trying to get you to stop believing in God, although that would be great for him. What he wants to do is just make you, while you're doing this, miserable. He wants to get you to, to this point to where that you're just not happy doing anything. And he wants to make the relationship that you have so disconnected, disjointed, disgusted, that ultimately you'll walk away from it. Remember, his job is to steal, to kill, to destroy. And here's the thing. So what he does is he slips in on us 
And he takes the good things that we try to do and he adds this thing to it. So go ahead and read your Bible, but make sure you're doing it well. Make sure you're doing it right. Make sure you're doing it long enough. Go ahead and come to church, but make sure you got it all together. And make sure you represent well and make sure you worship well and do this and do this. And if you don't do this, then you need to feel guilty. And he starts piling all this stuff on us. I mean, just think about it. Some of us have grown up and we go to school and then we get out of school and we, well, should I go to college or am I going to college? Am I not going to college? And what's my major going to be? And then I go from what's my major going to be? Am I going to get the right professor? And am I going to get the right internship? And then can I get the right job? And when you get the right job, you have to move to a city and you got to find a place to live. And then you places to live are expensive, so you got to get a roommate. And then it's more expensive, get more roommates. You got roommate drama. Anybody been there? Roommate drama. And then in the middle of roommate drama, you meet somebody, right? And all of a sudden, you're like, hey, this is nice. And then you're more, you go on dates and more dates. And then you meet family and more family. And then you decide, is this the person I'm going to marry? And now I exchange my roommate drama for a spouse. And now there's got spouse drama. And then you start getting the job and move to the city and got to buy the house. And are we going to have the kids? And then kids are growing up. And are they going to go to public school or private school? You're doing all this stuff. And along the way, you got to keep up with Snapchat, Instagram. Twitter, you're doing all this stuff, and then you need car insurance, health insurance, life insurance. I mean, it's just all this stuff that the enemy just piles on, and you got to, am I doing it all right? Am I doing it all good? Am I, do, am I doing it? Worry. Worry. And so here's what I want you to know today, and that is, is that all through that process, what the enemy is trying to do is he's not trying to get you to think that God doesn't exist. He's just trying to get you to lose sight of him. So caught up in everything that you're doing, all your responsibilities, all the job tasks, all the family tasks, all the relational tasks, and get you to the place where that it's so cloudy, you don't know what's going on. And when you can't see, many people give up hope. And today I want to give you some hope back. Here's the thing. For many of us, our problem is not the problem. Our problem is the worry and the anxiety that is the problem beyond the problem. So it's not the problem that's the issue, it's the worry that the, and the anxiety that produces all the problems. So I told you we had three kids, so two girls and a boy. Both girls sail through high school. You know, they could have done really good, they didn't, they were really good kids though. You know, so they got that 3.47 GPA and no college in America pays for 3.47 GPA. <laughs> so we got to pay for their college. Well, my son had a little bit of a learning disability, had a little, struggled in some stuff and so late junior high, early high school, going on all the way through high school, homework was a battle. Can anybody in here relate to homework being a battle? I mean, it was such a struggle. Like a simple math sheet, take two hours, just, and by the end of it, but I wasn't doing this because I can't pull my hair out, but my spouse was pulling her hair out. It just like took all this time and it was just so, such a labor. And right in the middle of that, the problem we, was the homework and him processing. But the bigger problem was all this worry and anxiety that we created around it. Like, is he going to be able to pass high school? Is he going to be able to get a job? Will he be able to be a productive part of society? What's going to happen? Will he get to be the person that we think that he's supposed to be? And all of a sudden, a little homework issue. Now, it was a big deal. Because like, I've already done math once. I don't want to do it again. But we're having to do it over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, the issue became a greater issue because it was a worry about his destiny and what we're going to do. Some of you are doing this very same thing in your marriage, 
You're doing it in your job. And what is, again, it's a real issue, but the worry, the anxiety has made this big, huge thing out of it when it's really not that large. Why? Because worry manifests in our lives. So I remember when Kyle graduated, we thought there should have been a parade. So like (laughs) Kyle, they call his name and he goes across the stage and then the rest of the family's coming behind like, woo, we did it too, okay? But we didn't do that. Can I report to you, he's in his fourth year of college. He's been voted to three honor societies right now. Who, he's the only kid that got a scholarship to college? Are you kidding me? The black sheep that shouldn't have has done it. The little engine that could has succeeded. Listen, all that worry about what was gonna happen, God has been so faithful to see him through. Okay, so guess what, everybody? He's gonna do it for you. God wants to do that for you. We're not special, not special at all. But here we got it, we don't worry. So here's what I want you to see. Jesus talked about worry in Matthew chapter six and verse 25, he said, for this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. And then go down to verse 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What I want you to see here is Jesus is building a contrast. You can be anxious about everything. He tells us not to, or you can seek first the kingdom. So Jesus is showing us that there's great opportunity. Listen, if you want to worry, there's great opportunity coming your way like even now, and tonight, and tomorrow, boom. Or you can do what Jesus says, don't worry, don't be anxious about anything, but the way to do that is to seek first the kingdom. I don't want you to feel guilty for worrying. What I want you to do is feel motivated not to spend so much time in worry, but seeking his kingdom. Jesus is showing us that anxiety can be the greatest barrier to us finding fulfillment in God. Some of you did it today. All the stuff about today and maybe what the week ahead looks like has maybe robbed you of experiencing God at the level that God wanted to do that here this morning just because anxiety had been built up in your life. Luke 8, 14. Again, Jesus telling a story, the parable of the seeds. Not gonna read the whole thing, but in verse 14, he said, the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go their way, they're choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. So the whole story when Jesus tells it is that their seed that the sower sows, it falls on ground, and each of these different grounds produce a different amount of fruit. One whole piece of that is dedicated to everything is ready, everything is ripe, the fruit, the seed is growing, but then all of a sudden worry comes in and chokes it out. And what we don't want for you at One Hope is that you miss one drop of God's fruitfulness in your life. And the only way that you can make sure that that doesn't happen is that you make sure that you stay in the center of his will. And the way to do that is to get to not be afraid and worried about being in the center of his will, but just to trust him in the moment. I'm gonna help you do that in just a second. The word of life, the word of power, the word of God was choked out by worry. You would think that the word of God would overcome, and it will, but if we give worry the primary space, it won't. And here's the deal. Worry for most of us is sabotaging what God's trying to do. Because the longer we live in worry, worry leads us to other sinful situations. So if your child is worried about grades, they worry about that long enough, they'll either abandon it 
or they'll find some way to cheat to get better. If you worry about people liking you, then what you'll do is you'll modify yourself, you'll compromise who you are to try to be somebody that they like, and you'll be somebody that's actually obnoxious because you're not being genuine. If you're in a dating relationship and you're worried about making this connection, it often could lead to compromise because you're concerned that maybe they don't like you and what do I got to do to keep you around? Well, listen, if I got to change who I am to keep you around, I don't know that I need you in my life. Worry in our job will get us to compromise. Worry about finances will get us to compromise. What I'm trying to tell you is that worry sabotages us. Ultimately, worry is a preoccupation with a hypothetical situation that kills our reality. A preoccupation, which means I'm thinking about it all the time. A hypothetical situation, here's my son, He's a uh, freshman in high school, and because of this math test, he may not become who he's supposed to become. That's a hypothetical situation that the enemy has built up. We have a campus pastor who leaves Tuesday to go to MD Anderson because he has a tumor on the pituitary gland. It's a big deal. It's a big surgery. And I want you to know that it would be very easy to get into the hypotheticals what's going to happen and what could happen and how bad could this be and what else could they find and where else is this and you know what I'm saying? Just this cycle spinning in your mind, spinning in your heart and today God's going to help us change that. So I got a question. How do we find a pathway forward? We've talked enough about worry. Let's kind of figure out what to do next. And I really, I'm asking you, everybody, let's get your notes out. Let's take a couple notes. This will be helpful for you. I'm not getting you to do this for me. And if you don't want to take notes, then write all this down, okay? It'll be good for you. (laughs) Philippians 4, Philippians 4, I'm going to read verses 6 through 9. And then I'm going to give you five things that we can do. And I'm going to do these with you. This is not me to you. This is God to us, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm a participant. I was raised by a blue ribbon warrior, okay? My grandmother was a world champion warrior. My mom was a world champion. And I'm not a world champion, but I'm pretty good at it. So this will be helpful for us. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Here's what it says. Be anxious for nothing. And I want you to know that everybody in this room, that that's a command. Okay. Smile at your neighbor and say, that's a command. Okay. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, give thanks. He says, how? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, Chad, who will be at that hospital on Tuesday night, needs peace that goes beyond his comprehension. Because his comprehension says tumor. His comprehension says it's on the pituitary gland. His comprehension says it's affecting this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And the surgery could do this and could this. And, you know, because the doctor has to tell you everything that could go wrong. So all his comprehension is building up. And guess what? If he's not careful, comprehension gets beyond faith. And comprehension doesn't get you life. Faith gets you life. That's another sermon for another day. He says, finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, lovely, good repute, if there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. How does the God of peace come to you? Practice these things. Everybody say practice. Practice. Okay. 
you want peace, you got to practice them. So let me give you some things to practice. Number one, recognize he's talking about anxiousness and anxiousness is a distraction. So if you want to find the peace that God has, number one, you've got to make sure that you deliver your anxious thoughts to God. You've got to deliver your anxious thoughts to God. Now, I know some of you, you already have your way of handling your worry or your concerns. And as I'm giving you this other way, you know, you may be challenging it. Let me just ask, how's your method working? Yeah, like I thought, not as good. So just listen to this. I'm going to deliver my anxious thoughts to God. Now, he says that in the verse, he calls it prayer. But what I want to tell you is that everybody in this room has anxious thoughts, including the guy talking to you. What most of us do is we take those anxious thoughts and we compress them and we try to keep them down. We don't want to let anybody see them. We don't want to let anybody experience it. And so we spend time making sure that it stays right there. And I'm over-dramatizing this to show what happens in us emotionally. You thought maybe had some today. And what I want for us, and this is what the Bible tells us, again, we're going to practice these things. Every day, I want you to make room to not suppress those, but to get them out. Take the top of your heart and open it up as if your heart has a top and release those things. So the fear, God, I don't know that I'll ever get married. Or the concern, I don't know that this relationship's going to work out. Whatever it is, quit worrying about it and release it to God. Just say it to God. Some of you are angry. You are so angry, you don't know what to do, but you don't let it out. And it, it, listen, it pops off every now and then. Like somebody in the family does something and you go, and everybody goes, what's wrong with mom? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. And the reason, listen, the reason that's there is because you've been suppressing it. And today I'm asking you to release it. Now, where do you release it? Okay. The word prayer there is not me uttering words to God. The word prayer there is actually I'm going to make a space. You need a space where you're going to deliver your anxious thoughts to God. Now, I don't know where that is. Maybe it's in the car on the way to work. Maybe it's your house before you leave. Maybe it's in the evening. You need to find a space that you go to God and you say, God, I'm so mad right now because those people are treating me unfairly. He can handle it. He already knows all that. Okay, deliver my anxious thoughts to God. Deliver them. So this, some of you are scared to death as I'm talking. Like, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. Just try it. Don't deliver it to your neighbor. Don't deliver it to your dog. You can give it to your cat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> deliver it to God. Listen, prayer is I'm going to carve out a space for God. Number two, I'm going to deliver specific requests to God. Remember, it says with prayer and supplication, those two are not the same word. Supplication is I'm going to give specific voice to my concerns. So that means prayer is I'm making a space. I'm going to open my heart. And supplication is now, God, I invite you in. Lord, I don't feel like I'm a good husband. Would you help me be a better husband? I, may, I feel like I failed as a father. Would you, would you help me be a better father? I'm angry that my spouse is not doing what I want them to do. Would you give me patience to help in that situation? 
And you don't just do it once. You do it over and over and over. And what starts happening is, is now Jesus is being invited into your situation with an open heart. Have you ever been greeted by somebody at their house and you know they weren't happy that you were there? That's how Jesus feels sometimes. Is because we ask him to come in, but we don't want him there because he's going to meddle with stuff. Okay? So you got to be ready for that. <laughs> here's the, hey, everybody, here's the deal. God's strong enough and he's big enough to do something about it. We just have to be willing to let him carry it. Number three, you need to grow in thankfulness. You need to grow in thankfulness. Thanksgiving, not the holiday, but a life of thanksgiving is where you are glad that God can carry something that you can't carry. You know, when we're kids, we're always looking for our turn to do the thing. We... Liam, my grandson, he's three years old, awesome. And I'm teaching him to do all kinds of stuff. Like we're climbing ladders and we're working and we're repairing stuff and we're playing golf and we're doing all this stuff. But one of the things that I've noticed is, is that now he is, I wanna do it. It's not just enough for him to watch Papa do it. He want, I, I, give me the tool, give me the thing. Give, give me, give me, give me. And the older we get, we do more of that. I wanna drive, I wanna determine, I wanna make my own money, I wanna do this. And then at some point we start going, I don't want anymore. <laughs> I don't like all this responsibility. Guess what? Your heavenly father's right there and he wants to help you. He wants to help you. And so for us, we need to be thankful that he's there. Here's what the Bible says. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Everybody say all. all. Do you know what the Greek word for all means? All. <laughs> Pretty smart, aren't I? So it means in every situation that you're going through, give thanks. Not for it, but in it. So if you've got a relational crisis in your home, be a person that gives thanks. Not for it, but in it. If you got a, a friend that maybe you're at odds with, be thankful. Not for it, but in it. If you got a job situation and somebody's being unfair to you, be thankful. Not for it, but... Come on, it's not a surprise test. Be thankful. Not for it, but... I'm going to give thanks in where? All the time. So here's, here's what your practice is today. Remember, go and practice these things. I'm going to deliver those anxious thoughts to God, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I deliver what I'm thinking about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna supplicate, and now I'm gonna be thankful. So I want you to just go out and just start being thankful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Like everywhere you have an opportunity to say thank you, say thank you. What are you doing? You're practicing thankfulness. And what happens when you practice thankfulness? The Bible says, for this is God's will for you. It's just a practice of getting you out of me, 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 me into you, 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 you. Are y'all here today? This should be helping you. Number four, I got two more. Grow in truth. I'm going to grow in thankfulness. I'm going to grow in truth. And hey, everybody, here's what you need to know. You can't just know truth. You've got to grow in it. You've got to practice it. So I've talked about thankfulness today, but if you don't do anything today to practice it, this truth that I've given you, actually the word has given us, it will slip away 
and you'll feel good that you've heard it, but you haven't practiced it. And the Bible says when you don't practice what you've heard, you deceive yourself. So what I got to do is like, I'm going to, there's going to be, listen, there's going to be an opportunity today where I'm going to meet somebody that I'm going to have to be like, thank you. But on the inside is I want to choke you. That's going to happen at some point today. But I'm going to practice what I've been talking about. Here's the deal. Whatever captures your mind captures your attention. And here's what the Bible says. I've read this to you. I'm going to read it to you in another version. Philippians 4, 8. I've already read this to you, but I'm going to read it in the good news. It says, fill your mind with things that are good and deserve praise, things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and honorable. See, here's the deal. Our minds are never empty. And it would be awesome if I could take my head off, take the top off, and dump out all the gross stuff, put the top back on, and then fill it with God. But I can't do that. That would be awesome. I can't do that. So what does that mean? That means, here's the phrase in the Bible, washing of the water of the word. So what I got to do is I got to make sure that I start washing over me everything that is pure and lovely and true and praiseworthy and start putting that in. And as that water runs through, it's going to wash all that other junk out, which means I'm going to have to find the sources of junk that come into me and stop those. So I would encourage you, stay away from the news, stay away from gossip, stay away from a lot of entertainment. Trust the Lord with whatever he tells you to do. I'm just saying, we're so used to the bombardment of life and it's not healthy here. And it causes us to get caught up in what's so important to the rest of the world and who cares? I'm sick of hearing about the girl that married the prince over in England. I don't even know what her name is. Who cares? She's a wonderful person, I guess. I don't know. Who cares? I don't want to hear about her anymore. I don't know her. It doesn't matter what dress she's wearing or what hat she wears. And this person did this. Stop it. I want to grow in truth. I want to grow in something and learn and develop so that I'm not worried about it anymore. So what do you think about what occupies your mind? Here's the last one and we're done. And number five is that you got to grow and rest. See, now that we've done these things, now I've got to learn to grow and rest because rest doesn't just happen. I'm not talking about a nap. I'm talking about genuine God-given rest. And there's three places that I want you to grow and rest. I want you to write these down. Number one, you gotta rest your body. Some of you need to take a moment and rest yourself. And I don't know what that is for you. I I can't determine it, I don't know your schedule, but you need to become the master of your schedule. Listen, even if there's so many people that are directing what's going on, Listen, if you got to just take longer time in the bathroom at work, do something to take a break. If it's, if it's driving slower to work or if it's getting somewhere a little early and just taking a walk, like I drove through the park on the way over here today. And as I drove through, I saw this grass and these big trees and there was people running and bicycling. And I mean, just, just for that very moment, it was just, I was like... Everybody do that, as a matter of fact. Everybody take a deep breath. Just Even if you do that, you just feel better. And if a simple inhalation and exhalation causes that, what would meditating on the Word of God do in your life? Grow and rest. Okay, you're going to rest your body. And so my question is, are you taking care of yourself? And then secondly, you got to rest your soul. <coughs> Pardon me, you got to rest your soul. And that is with quietness 
Sometimes we just need to sit and just, like, God, what are you saying to me? If he legitimately spoke in the Old Testament with a still small voice, what is he saying to us? And then you got to find enjoyment. You got to find stuff that you do, that you like. My wife likes doing jigsaw puzzles. I hate it. I hate them. I want to set them on fire. I mean, I just, I do. she loves it. That's okay. That's enjoyment. That's not my enjoyment. You got to find what you enjoy and you got to do some of it. And then another way that you rest your soul is you have people in your life. And let me just say something to you. If everybody around you is causing you anxiety, okay, one, make sure your heart's right. But then two, you need somebody that refreshes. Like we had lunch yesterday with Josh and Amber and I just felt better leaving not because I'd had a great meal, but because I was with somebody that I love. And there was no pressure. There was no, I didn't need anything from him. He didn't need anything from me. You need somebody like that in your life. And then number three, you got to refocus your spirit. You got to refocus your spirit. Which means at some point you got to turn and you got to say, okay, God, I'm all in. I'm going to read a verse, several verses actually. It's going to be on the screen. And what I want you to do is I want you to follow along with me as I'm reading this. Because this is a prophetic statement. What's a prophetic statement? It's a statement that is made by the Spirit, not by what I know. This guy right here is sitting on the front. He's got a coffee cup, I would imagine, in a blue shirt. There's nothing prophetic about that. That's the guy right there. You can see that. But if I said something about him that I didn't know, inspired by the Spirit, then I would be speaking either with discernment or prophetic. This is a prophetic statement about you, what God wants to do if you'll let him rest you. Psalms 92, and this is how we'll close. A song, a song. So remember, this was originally written that they could sing this together as a worship experience. Just like we sang a song today, they could have sung this. I'm not gonna do it for you, but you'd just be so blessed. No, I'm just kidding. It says, for the Sabbath day. What does Sabbath mean? It means to rest, to pause. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. To proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Hey, that's a good combination. Get up every morning and thank the Lord for his love. And every night before you go to bed, thank him for his faithfulness. And just do that every day. It's awesome. But here's what he says will happen. You have exalted my horn. Well, to everybody in this room, you're like, I don't know what that means. What that literally means is strength. And it says you've exalted my horn like strength, like of, of what? What type of strength? A wild ox. I don't know if you've ever dealt with any cattle. I have. I was in a competition one time and there were six of us guys and we had to catch a calf and tie a ribbon to its tail. Well, I want you to know that when you look at a calf, you think, oh, how sweet. They're not sweet. They're, a calf is not a large dog. A calf is a small rhino. <laughs> so if a little calf had strength, what strength does an ox have? That's the strength that you have as a promise from God. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, 
fine oils have been poured upon me. Those oils, that literally means God wants to anoint your ability. You have ability, but it's not enough. What you need for tomorrow, you don't have enough of it, but God has anointing for you that will help you in your abilities. That's what the oil means. God wants to anoint your abilities. And then he goes on to say, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree that will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God and they will still bear fruit in old age. What is that? That's called longevity. That's the promise to you is that as long as you live, God's gonna keep producing in your life. We don't get to a place to where that we become unuseful without purpose. No, no, no. Till the day that you quit breathing on this earth, God has plans for you. You've just got to rest in him. And the way you do it is you got to get rid of worry. So let's pray together. Everybody close your eyes just for a second. Father, I just thank you for this word to all of us. And Lord, I ask that you would help us take these steps and that we would let worry not be our partner anymore. Worry is there, but worry is not our friend. Anxiety is a natural part of life, but it is not our friend. And so today, we ask that you would help us. So right now, we open our hearts and we take the risk of telling you that we're hurt or angry or frustrated. Maybe we felt like we've gotten a raw deal. Maybe we feel like in this life that things haven't been fair we should have, would have, could have, but whatever that is, Lord, we repent for that, and Lord, we just open our heart to you. We make space for you, and God, we thank you for coming into our lives and helping us. Just with your eyes closed there for one second, maybe you're sitting in this room today, and as I've been talking about this, you can't enter that rest unless you have a relationship with Jesus. And so maybe us talking about this has brought you awareness. You know what? I really don't have a relationship with Christ. I know the name. I know who he is, but I'll know him. Or maybe you realize that you've had a relationship with him and that's grown cold or distant. God hasn't moved. We move away from him. And if today you would like to enter that rest again, the rest of that relationship, I'm going to just simply count to three in a second. You don't have to get up. You don't have to come forward. But all you have to do is just, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and we're going to pray a simple prayer. But you'd say, Steve, my life, I need a relationship with him or I need to renew it. One, today's the day. Now is the moment. Don't wait any longer. Two, all I'm asking you to do is lift your hand and let me help you with a simple prayer. Do it now. Three, anybody in the room, just lift it up. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, hands. Lots of hands. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, thanks. You can put those down. Anybody, if you want to join with us, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'll help you with the words. Say something like this. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you for being my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me my sin. Take my life and I receive yours. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for having a plan for me. And thank you for a relationship with the Father. I give you my life. Thank you for staying with me.